0: Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards.
1: I'm Julie Richards.
0: And I'm so excited, you know, uh, whenever we uh, hike around, we go off the beaten path. Um, We have a great guest today, um, Rotem Breyer. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited, you know, um, we've talked about this in the past, but uh, Rotem, as I understand, you're an EMDR, (laughs) EDMR, I'm just kidding, it is EMDR, kind of specialist. Um, So I'm so excited to have you on this podcast, Um, I know you've been talking to mom over the last couple months, Um, how about you tell us a little bit about your history, you know, um, kind of your... Uh, uh, history with mental health, um, how you kind of got into it and where you come from.
2: Yeah, so I'm originally from Israel. Um, in high school, I started reading Freud and Jung and mm. really was always interested in psychology. And then when when I went to college, I kind of chose a different route. Kind of life led me to um, communication and management that I really enjoyed studying. But then the job I had after was really, really boring for me. Uh, mm. And at some point, I decided to move to the U.S. and do my master's in counseling. Mm. Um, and that was that felt really, really good and still feels good. So I, I really enjoy my work every day now. Um, I help people heal with the power of EMDR, which we're going to get into. Um, so I don't need to... Um, get bored like I did in my previous job.
0: Yeah, where, where did that influence come from? Were you impacted in a positive way by EMDR or did you just see through like other people's stories like the impact it made?
2: Yeah, um, so first of all, personally, I started doing my own EMDR therapy while I was in basic training because I mm. realized that, you know, if I want to really understand that therapy that works, a lot on a non-verbal level, mm. I need to experience it myself, so that's what I've done, but I've also seen hundreds of people get healed from trauma thanks to EMDR, so I, I really, really liked my job before I was EMDR trained, but I really love my job now that I, can, I have this powerful tool to help people heal.
0: Yeah, something that um, mom and I talk about from time to time is, you know, lighting up the world. Everybody mm-hmm. that you're able to kind of touch and influence in a positive way kind of got gets them to light up. And then the people that they influence lights them up, too, and kind of that impact goes out. So I I know mom has a ton of questions, but I did want to ask for those of us, you know, for my friend in the room who uh, you can't see or <laughs> My hear. friend in the room. That yeah. Um, uh, yeah what is EMDR? How would you describe it? And like, what are some treatments that it works well with?
2: Um, So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And the two letters, the EM are easier to remember uh, eye movements. So it's a therapy that was developed in the eighties by Francine Shapiro. Hmm. um, And in the, the early years of EMDR, it used to be considered kind of like a foo-foo kind of therapy that people were, <laughs> thought it was weird. Um, there wasn't a lot of research, uh, but what clinicians observed is really transformation of trauma as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, in most forms of therapy, you teach your clients to cope better with the therapy. And with EMDR, we're clearing the the, the trauma. So hmm. um, it's I, I was trained in two thousand and seventeen. So um, it's EMDR had been established at that point. There's a lot of research um, that supports the efficacy of EMDR. We have brain scanners now. Uh, we can really see the effects of EMDR, and it's really really exciting to live in that, that era that, you know, you see something works, but you also have very Mm. clear evidence, thanks to brain scanners and technology, that it actually works in rewiring the brain.
0: That's interesting. And so like, essentially, we've talked about it in the past on uh, episodes, like, you use light kind of moving back and forth, um, um, as you're kind of, Uh, I guess sitting in a chair and just, is it, do you focus on the trauma at that point or kind of um, is it, is it a a use of meditation with this eye movement that kind of clears the brain? It's, it's been, I have not heard that phrase, like it clears the trauma. And I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah. So it actually does. And which I know that if people suffer from trauma and they haven't experienced that kind of therapy, it might sound uh, unrealistic, uh, but as someone who witnessed it um, hundreds of times, and I'm, I'm sure Julie, you have too, um, it's it's really, really exciting. So what you you mentioned with the eye movements, the light bar, so we have a light bar, that's a form of bilateral stimulation. So this is how um, EMDR started with eye movements uh, and the, eye, the the movement of the eyes basically what it does, it imitates a natural healing mechanism that we already have in the brain that happens during REM sleep. Um, mm. During REM sleep mm. you're, even though your eyes are shut, your eyes are moving really, really fast and it helps to clear some disturbance from things that happen to us throughout the day. That's why, you know, when when someone is upset, they go to bed. In the next morning, they feel a little bit better usually. Um, so when people get good sleep, their eyes are moving, uh, not all the time, but during the, the REM sleep, the EM of REM is the same EM of hmm. EDR. It's eye movements. So eyes are moving really fast, and it clears some emotionality from certain things that happen to us.
0: That's really interesting. And you talked about, you know, brain scans as well. How does that fit in? What does that look like from just a physical standpoint?
2: Yeah, so um, I mentioned earlier about that this kind of therapy is, um, it works not only on the cognitive and the verbal, but on nonverbal structures of the brain uh, so we have limbic system structures like the amygdala and hippocampus that um, where trauma is being stored. And I'm using mm-hmm. my fingers when I use the word stored because trauma is not really stored. It's not really a, a hard drive. Our brain is not a hard drive, but we use this analogy. And it, um, when, when we use the eye movements, it helps to rewire even these non verbal structure so it helps to enhance neuroplasticity which is the ability of the brain to rewire itself
0: yeah i think that's incredibly interesting are you able to see like in a cat scan or something i'm assuming that's something with your brain <laughs> uh, to be able to like kind of see these changes or maybe even these like lobes lighting up as uh, as they're affected
2: yeah so i i personally don't I don't have this technology? This technology is still very expensive, so it's being used in research. But if you know your listeners are going to look up um, Dr. Amen's um, research with EMDR, um, they can see pictures of before and after. He did um, hmm. research studies with police officers. And really clearing the trauma, when, it, when I said clear the trauma, you said you, you haven't heard that before. Uh, clearing the trauma basically means the rewiring of the brain. When you rewire the brain uh, in certain way, as we do in EMDR, you are clearing the trauma. And Dr. Amen's uh, research study shows these images of before and after EMDR.
1: And also, if people are familiar with Bessel van der Kolk's um, The Body Keeps the Score, there are pictures of um, fMRI scans of showing like before and after. So all of the reactivity happening in the brain whenever we're traumatized, that it has a whole lot of um, charge, we'll call it that, like a charge in our brain of all of the fear response, all of the intensity of the memory after EMDR that charge has been released it's been worked all the way through and so then the same level of activate activation isn't present anymore hmm. so that's right. kind of the releasing the charge the nervous system shifts because suddenly what was a threat and felt like it kept happening in the present can now be stored in such a way that it is fully processed and it's in the past. Now it's not coming up as an ongoing trigger in the present.
2: Right. One of the most amazing experiences, um, as an EMDR therapist is to ask the question on a scale of zero to 10, how disturbing does the memory feel to you now when zero is no disturbance and 10 is the worst? And a lot of times we'll start therapy session and we'll ask this question and the the level of disturbance, we call it SUD, subjective unit of disturbance, mm, uh, would be eight or nine or sometimes 10. And then when you process the traumatic memory, maybe after 30, 35, 40 minutes, the, you'll ask the same question and you'll get zero or one or two, which is Really feels like a superpower.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh.
1: I want to go into a little bit just for the understanding for our listeners that bilateral stimulation is ultimately left right movement. And so sometimes it is through eye movement, through light stream. Um, using a light bar, but it can also be through slow or, depending on what we're doing with it, if we're resourcing and supporting the nervous system to calm down, or if we're trying to activate the nervous system to move um, the activation, then we use a faster speed. But you can do self-tapping on your lap or crossing your arms or um, kind of a butterfly tap on your collarbone, various, or even with your feet. So using that left, right movement, what Francine Shapiro found was that is what is bringing into the already innate ability of the brain to heal by using that calming of the brain, left, right, both sides of the brain are brought into balance. So we're not only experiencing high activation, it's having a chance to come into equilibrium.
0: That is really interesting. I wonder, so, and I, I'm recalling us talking even about taking a walk or taking steps, like, to kind of activate the right-left. <clears throat> when you have folks come into you, your practice or even, Mom, do you do EDMR? Oh, my goodness, EMDR. <laughs> we just had a joke earlier about EDM music versus EMDR. But do you do uh, EMDR at your practice or is yes. it just something you've kind of researched? No, whenever, yes, I use that with
1: clients as
0: well. Whenever you both sit down with clients, is it, like, what is that process like? Are you talking them through a, uh, I know the light movement is there. Are you just like, you know, flick on the light or tap your hands while you just kind of sit there and the body kind of naturally heals or are you trying to get them to relive and bring up some of these memories so that they're kind of at the forefront of your mind and being processed? Like, walk me through what that looks like.
2: That's a really good question, Samuel. And uh, I guess the best question would be that it depends on the client and what their needs are. So there is a standard protocol that we go through that we learn in basic training, basic EMDR training, uh, that we we help bring up some traumatic memories. And that's how EMDR was developed for for trauma initially. Now we know from research that it works for many other conditions. Uh, But we're basically focusing or helping the client focus on four elements of the memory. We are focusing on a visual image, on a negative thought, on Mm -hmm. emotion, and body sensation. And this is what we conceptualize as the memory in the neural network Mm. in the brain so what we're doing we're activating that memory again with the image negative thought emotion body sensation while we're exposing the client at the same time to bilateral stimulation which helps with that that um healing mechanism that julie just described a minute ago
1: samuel's like whoa mind blown what is this what does this mean what one of the terms that might also be helpful to bring into the conversation is that we work on a target so there might be a target memory and those are the um channels that rotem was talking about was feelings emotions thought negative thought body sensation any image that comes up so as we Name those and activate those and apply the bilateral to it. It allows it to kind of be untangled like that big ball of Christmas lights on Christmas vacation. Mm -hmm. Instead of it being so difficult to process because it was too much, too fast, too hard at the time of going through it, we're breaking it down into different layers of it and allowing it to be wherever the brain wants to go with it. So mm. the client stays out of the way, the therapist stays out of the way and allows the bilateral bilateral stimulation to kind of explore whatever memories might be associated together. So someone could come in for the treatment mm. of um, a traumatic event, maybe a car accident or um, a difficult situation um, abuse or something, but what comes up whenever the brain goes to bring healing to it was even an earlier memory where some of those underlying cognitive beliefs or memories associated it even before that event that they think they're there to work on. So it all overlaps for our brain and it's trying to resolve Um, in a generalization sort of way, all those layers. We don't know where it's going to go when we start. We just kind of organically let it unfold. And the therapist is there to guide the process, to help create safety in the room and resourcing of the client. So EMDR has lots of ways that it can be beneficial in a person's life. There's the resourcing aspect to give support. There's the reprocessing aspect to heal trauma.
0: That's interesting. I did want to take a moment and say, mom just made a reference to Christmas vacation and wrote him, that <laughs> never happens. <laughs> I don't make references as
1: often. He's often saying something or Sarah will say something. And I'm like, who are they talking about? What is this? So that's, that's, that is noteworthy. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs>
0: um, it's interesting. So do you often, um, Uh, pair EMDR with other forms of therapy, or is it good just even as a standalone?
2: Yeah, it's a good starting point as a standalone, and that's how we learn it initially, but it really integrates well with other therapeutic modalities. Um, I personally find uh, parts work, so it has, you know, parts work has different names, internal family systems or ego state therapy. Uh, that that blends really really well, and also all kinds of somatic therapies, so sensory motor psychotherapy or somatic experiencing. Um, again, very similar modalities with different names integrate very very well with EMDR because we are working with body memories, and again, you know, um, Julie mentioned, the body keeps the score. Uh, so a lot of our emotions are stored in the body as physical sensations. And then when we're doing EMDR, we have to tap into these somatic memories. It's not just cognitive memories as we're, I think most people think about memories as something cognitive. We also have somatic aspect of the memory, what we feel in our body when we're remembering certain things
1: hmm And some of those uh, modalities that you just mentioned, Rotem, are things that our listeners might be familiar with because we've talked about ego states, Pia model of different parts, the wounded child, the adapted adolescent, the functional adult, and also we recently had an episode on embodiment and being aware of what our body is saying to us, what we're needing, um, and most recently talked about dissociation in the context of how much are we in our body or less present based on how we're trying to survive um, traumatic or difficult experiences. So all of that language, we're kind of helping educate and normalize um, humans to be able to have these conversations and know what it is we're talking about and what we're working towards as being a healthy human. Yeah.
0: So what does the sensation feel like? I think both of you guys have experienced, you know, EMDR. Um, what does the sensation feel like as the patient whenever you're does is it dreamlike like REM would be?
2: Um, for some people um, I would say it's very individual. It's a very individual process. So sensations can be you know, very common in the chest, right? When we're processing trauma, people feel it in the chest, but some people feel it in the stomach. Some people feel it in their back and shoulders. Some people feel it as a headache. And one mm. of the beautiful byproducts of our work, we're mental health professionals. We're not doctors, but... A lot of times we clear physical symptoms that, are, that were wired with the trauma. So, um, mm-hmm. for example, I'm, I'm thinking about someone who came after a very, very severe trauma that happened as an adult and he started having headaches that same mm. day that until we cleared the trauma and process, he had that headache all the time, sometimes it was like in the foreground, sometimes it was in the background, but he had it all the time and we cleared it. Uh, another great example is someone who came to see me after years and years of going to doctors to try to figure out what caused his IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Hmm. And there was there was just like years and years of testings and medications that didn't work and then we we found these targets that Julie mentioned these memories that we had to process, and once we processed them, that the IBS went away.
0: That is pretty wild. That's seeming pretty uh, pretty intense for lights moving across the screen.
2: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> well, and body sensations are are really just a way of listening to your body. Of sometimes it's tension, sometimes it's something feels prickly, something feels. Tight, something feels warm, something feel like all those are just learning words of sensation to mm. describe what's going on in my body, where I feel constriction or stress and tightness or tension, where it feels um, sometimes foggy. We talked about that with dissociation. So it's just learning to describe what is going on inside your body with sensation type words.
0: Yeah, something that I think that we've routinely touched on in the show in general is just the connection of mind and body and how Mm -hmm. connected they actually are. I'd be curious, uh, Rotem, how that patient came to you and said, like, how did you find targets that they didn't necessarily know were there? Was that just therapy leading up to it? And then it just kind of built into, you know, EMDR? Or was it something where it was like, I'm just trying whatever I got, you know, what was that process like? Or I'm I'm wondering from the perspective of our listeners who may be patients and stuff who have an interest in this, but don't necessarily know where to start. Or maybe it's somebody who's like, just boom, I've got it down. That was a traumatic event for me. And it comes up a lot.
2: Yeah. You have really good questions, uh, Samuel. Um, So again, it's, it would depend on the client. So some, some, some of our clients come with very clear knowledge of what the memory is that happened. And since that thing happened, my life changed for the worst. And so we know Mm. that a lot of times we don't know, uh, and we find it together. So my advice for, um, your listener is find a good EMDR therapist and we have our tricks to help you find these memories so one of the one of the tricks is called some people call it float back some people call it bridge and this is a way to kind of float back from something that happened more recently to the actual memory where the problem or the symptom or the issue started Uh, so i'll give you just a a quick example what what a bridge or Uh, float back is, is that when you ask a client, when this happened a couple of days ago, something that really triggers you, what do you notice in your body? And then Mm -hmm. the client notices that, let's say it's a, a pressure in the chest. And then I would ask the client to close their eyes And to float back to the earliest time they remember feeling like that, that Mm. feeling in the chest, and that will often land on a memory that a lot of times they didn't even realize that it impacted them.
1: Mm. Which is talking about the associations that the brain makes when it groups things together. The brain is always working on efficiency and templates. And so these associations come together, it kind of categorizes it in that way to ultimately protect us from any kind of danger like that gets earmarked or noted as okay that's dangerous I want to be on guard in those situations and so it gets kind of stored or filed in that way and it will bring it up together so when we go to clear a memory or the charge all of the other times that it's linked to will also start to surface so Mm. that it can be worked on
0: Pulling out that uh, Christmas light ball.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, So I did want to kind of shift gears into just, you know, the therapist. I know we have a lot of therapists who listen to the podcast. What are some things that you would tell, you know, EMDR therapists or even, you know, therapists in general about EMDR?
2: Yeah what i would say is that emdr is a very relatable approach i think that a lot of people have this misconception of emdr is a is a protocol is a rigid kind of form of mm. psychotherapy and uh that's how it used to be taught and that's how it's still taught in some places but when you want to really facilitate healing one of the the actually the number one predictor of therapeutic outcomes is the relationship that the therapist has with the client. And that comes from Mm. years and years of research um, that we know, regardless of what therapeutic modality we use, the therapeutic relationship is the most important. And we have to keep it in mind when we're using EMDR, because what happens, there's so much emphasis on the protocol and following the protocol that people lose sight of other things that are happening in the therapy room. And I think they're missing a lot. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say to EMDR therapists is that they can be the, their authentic self. They can be their authentic uh, therapist and individual as a person. Uh, and they don't have to lose that in order to be a good EMDR therapist. In fact, you have to be that authentic self with taking relationship into consideration in order to good to do good emdr therapy
1: mm. i love that i agree i concur a hundred percent ditto yeah that's beautiful i'm curious um rotem to talk about your book the art and science of emdr out soon out soon
2: yeah so basically these two things that i just said um to be authentic, to be yourself, and to take the relationship into consideration, that's that's where I start. Um, I mm-hmm. think that people have to understand concepts instead of just following a protocol. That really, really helps. So I'm starting the book with just explaining what's going on in the brain in very simple language and very simple um, term. So no need to memorize complicated brain structures. I do mention the amygdala or the amygdalae. Actually, we have two of them on each what? side of the, each <laughs> hemisphere. Oh, Mind no. blown again. <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, but but um, really what we need to understand that when we're doing MDR, we are facilitating neuroplasticity, that it's kind of like we're enhancing and natural healing mechanism so I'm starting with that then I'm talking about relationship and then from there I'm really taking it to how you can individualize the treatment for your client it's not only scripts and protocols but it's more about understanding what you're doing so you can do it better with your client. so if you're for example you're using Resourcing. So, this is what uh, we call phase two in EMDR. We help resource the client before we expose them to the trauma that we're going to reprocess. We want to make sure that they have the tools to regulate mm-hmm. themselves, to regulate their nervous system. So, once you understand that, really understand that, uh, you don't have to follow scripts word for word. You can just do whatever makes sense for your client
1: hmm just being present in the room and attuned and mindful helps you give that mm-hmm. exactly
2: right. Brain to right brain. Yeah. That that's, that's, that's where the healing happens, right? When, mm-hmm. when we do right brain to right brain. Um, so again, when we're focusing on every word of a script or a technique or a protocol or whatever we want to call it, we're missing that right brain to right. Mm-hmm. brain.
0: Could you real briefly explain right brain to right brain?
2: Yeah. Um
0: I know, I've got <laughs> two therapists in the room that are like who you or me, me or you. No, I'm curious. Yeah. Rotom, let's hear it from um, you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we we're we're verbal creatures, right? We think in language our um Broca's area, that's the part of the brain that processes uh, verbal language is located on the left side of the brain. And Mm. we're a lot of times we're stuck there. We're stuck in our verbal conceptualization of things. Uh, But when we're doing right brain to right brain, we're actually starting to feel what our clients feel. And I know it's Mm. kind of like a weird concept for some people. But there's a lot of really interesting research coming from Alan Shore, who talks about us being the psychobiological regulator for our client. We're letting the client borrow our nervous system. And if we're not attuned, I think that's a key word, attuned, if we're not attuned to what's going on emotionally in the client's right brain, we're missing a lot of the deeper work that leads to healing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And the left brain side is often the going on with normal life, how I function. And our culture is very left brained because it wants quick solutions. Step one, step two, step three, make it very clear, make it concise and fix the problem. Whereas the right brain where the trauma Mm -hmm. is stored is more emotional images, body sensations, all those things that we're working on in EMDR.
2: Exactly. And, and, and thank you for saying that, step one, step two, because in EMDR, we have eight phases. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I encourage my readers mm-hmm. to understand is that even though the model is, was developed as a phase-based model, we have phases, and uh, phase one leads to phase two, to phase three. In real life, we're not doing such linear work it's, mm-hmm. I, I encourage the reader to adopt a more holistic view of EMDR therapy. Uh, April 11th.
0: Hey, not bad. Yeah, count down the days. Yeah. Ugh, I have to do my taxes. <laughs> 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 uh, well, this has been so great, uh, Rotem. I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. We do uh, tend to end these episodes with um, uh, gratitude and affirmation or a mantra of some sort. So I'm gonna let you think about it for a second while I shout out some of the people that make this show possible. Uh, Thanks uh, mom, Julie, for uh, funding this podcast. Um, She does have um, a practice that you can uh, check out at jhrcounseling.com. Steve Dodge, the one man band, uh, provided the theme song for us and the fantastic Alexander Wells does all of our logos um, please reach out to us. We love to have people, you know, uh, talk to us and kind of start that, you know, uh, connection. And so, uh, you can email us communityroots.pod at gmail.com or our Instagram is blowing up. Thanks to, uh, mom putting out some <laughs> awesome, uh, stuff here. So, um, Rotem, what have you got for us? We are thinking, and if you want me to start totally happy to, but a gratitude and affirmation, just something about, you know, you that, um, You're excited about or want to shout out?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it's really for a lot of people. It's really hard to live in 2023. Um, It's there's a lot of bad things are happening in the world, uh, but there's also a lot of good things are happening. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically about our field and about healing and about the work that we do. Is that we have these tools now? We have this technology. We have these methods that can really help facilitate healing and again when i'm talking about healing i'm not talking about you know being a a shaman or you know a a monk in india we can do it in our offices we can facilitate healing we can clear trauma Mm. and this work is amazing and i i keep being amazed every day uh by by the work that I do, that some of my colleagues do, some of my consultees do. Uh, it, it's really, really rewarding to see people heal.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Mom, you got anything for us?
1: I'm just thinking about that, the seeking and the curiosity piece of being open to what those glimmers are of the things that we can notice and and to observe and see the moments of healing because they, they can be really small little things that all kind of add up and light up the world. As Samuel said earlier of it, it, that is there too. And so leaning into some of that of yes, it's in therapy offices and yes, it's in homes and workplaces of just moments of connection, moments of healing, pausing to take a deep breath um, getting in touch with our body, learning how to listen to what's coming up for us, all of that is possible. And I think that's pretty beautiful. Yeah.
0: That is pretty exciting. Um, I'm going to go more fun with it. I Well, and it's just in general, the uh, the path. I just recently had a birthday and just using that time to look back over like the growth of these last couple of years and really this podcast in general, how we're able to have these really cool conversations about, you know, technologies I didn't know existed, you know, different, uh, um, paths and really, uh, diving into some of these concepts has been really cool. So, um, it's been awesome. Even as I go through my own day to day with community roots and stuff, thinking about some of these lessons and even understanding the connection of mind and body has been pretty great, but.
1: And shout out, happy birthday to Samuel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Yay. yeah i'm
0: I'm 40 now no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> not yet um uh but uh, uh i did want to say uh thanks so much for joining us this week thanks Rotem, for uh joining us uh, i'm so happy that you are here um i will post some connections to rotom in the uh show notes but you can also check him out at emd art um, i'll make sure that all is there uh we have links to his book that's coming out um, you got to go to your therapist and say, hey, do you have the art and science of EMDR?
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We will uh, get to you next week.